0: So we have been doing a series on core, biblical, kingdom-oriented, Christian-oriented values. We've looked at things like devotion, faithfulness, generosity, warmth, which speaks of of hospitality and loving people that are are strangers to us or that we don't know. We've looked at generosity. Um, Last week, we looked at... You know, it's so encouraging as a pastor to know that people remember your message, but then I remember that it takes me a while to remember what I preached on last Sunday as well, and then I'll tell you that it was on faithfulness. And today, I wanna take, I know, some of you are like, oh yeah, that's right, that's right. It means something, I'm sure. Okay, I'll go back to my notes. Um, Today, I wanna take a look at humility, the kingdom value of humility, being humble. Uh, I think that if we were to give it some thought, we are, universally repelled by pride and arrogance. Regardless of how gifted the person is, right? I mean I think so. I think for most of us, even, even the person that you where you really appreciate their gift. Maybe you love that that particular sports star or that celebrity or or maybe there's a certain business guy or lady who you just like wow like they've they've gotten stuff done and and so you you, you respect that about them but but then you hear them talk or you find out stories about how they treat people and, and, and where there's this incredible arrogance and pride involved and, and almost like an entitlement and, and where they feel like they're superior to others. And because arguably, as far as the skill goes, in that particular area, they might be, but, but they're forgetting that on a human level, no one is more important or more dignified than anybody else. Like you, pride repels us. Am I right? Yeah. Now, hopefully you're not spending too much time thinking about who those people are because that might speak of a little bit of pride in our own lives, which all of us would have. Conversely, we are, I think, deeply attracted to true humility. Now, humility is not the same as insecurity. Humility is not the same as thinking terribly of yourself. Humility is actually being incredibly secure in who God's made you to be and and who we're actually trying to please or impress, which is an audience of one, we spoke about that last week in faithfulness, it is, it is the ability to value people no matter what. No matter how different they are, no matter how disconnected or different, no matter how much you may disagree, there, there is this ability to treat each and every single person with, with at least some level of human value and dignity. You don't feel entitled, you're grateful for what, for what you have. And we're, we're attracted to humility, right? And by the way, that has nothing to do with your, with your position in life. You can, be, you can be a leader and in a position of power and authority and be deeply humble. And you can be someone that is lower down on the pecking order in, in, a, in a human societal context and yet be really quite flipping proud and arrogant and difficult to work with. And of course, you can be in a position of power and be really, so, so, so it's not about position and it's not even about how good we are at putting forward this facade if you've been if you've been a christian for a long time or or if you've been in church for a long time you probably know how to look humble i'm not talking about that i'm talking about who people see when you're outside of a particular context, I'm talking about who your family sees, I'm talking about who you are in traffic, I'm talking about who you are when you're waiting in a queue somewhere, or when you're waiting for, for someone to serve you and they're not quite meeting up with your expectations. And, and there's, again, there's a difference between being irritated or frustrated with the delay and then starting to personalize that where, where, where we start to, in our minds or out loud, dehumanize the person. It's a, it's a heart attitude, it is not just about behavior, although hopefully our heart will like it'll leak out into our behavior, right? Jesus said that that you'll know the the tree, you'll know the roots by the fruit, by what's actually coming out of our lives. One of the the significant passages around this idea of humility is written by, by Paul, the apostle, one of the early church leaders in the book of Philippians where he's talking about Jesus and he says in verse three of chapter two, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others. Take, yeah, but, you see, subconsciously, you might think, yeah, but, like, what's that gonna get me, taking an interest in others? Well, hello, like, that's probably a bit of a, an alarm bell if that's, if that's our first thought. He goes on, verse five. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, and there are many other passages that, that make it clear through scripture, that Jesus was a part of creation, right? In the sense of he, everything was created through him. So, So the people that he was serving, the people that he loved, the people that he gave his life for, he had created them. You talk about humility? That's that's radical. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to while he was on earth. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, so, so so, he put aside his ability to just do whatever he wanted, contr- he, he humbled himself. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took on the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Now, now personally, I don't like that word slave because of our definition and our context of that. Many of the English translations refer to the, the term servant. Now, even servant, we have various you know, assumptions in our mind, but but it does refer to someone that has a heart to serve. And what I think a lot of us can so easily miss about this passage is that we can think that Jesus took on the disguise of a humble servant. That was not the case. You know, kind of like Superman who puts on his dorky, uh, you know, uh, journalist outfit and, and with his glasses and his, I, I mean, I don't know what, I don't know what the more modern Nowadays, the modern Superman looks, he's pretty good looking, he's pretty chiseled and, and bulky and big, but, but, but if you grew up, when I did, like he was, they managed to make him look pretty nerdy before he ripped off and, and revealed his true nature. I'm so, you know, Superman. That's not what Jesus was doing. He wasn't, he wasn't covering up the true nature. Please don't miss this. He was revealing. The, think about this. Wait, what? You mean mean part of the nature of God is to serve? Yes, it is. I was was quite surprisingly affected, again, earlier this week, just my own devotions, reading through John chapter three and coming across verse 16, which which has become such such a cliched passage for so many of us over the years for different reasons, but it struck me afresh this week. God loved the world so much that he gave. That's an act of service. A great illustration of this is recorded on Jesus' final evening with his disciples at the Last Supper before he's about to be arrested, falsely accused, beaten, tortured, and ultimately crucified in John chapter 13. Jesus knowing that this is it, right? Like, like the, the, the countdown clock has begun. In verse 3 it says, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. In other words, he knew who he was. He was secure. He didn't apologize for it. He didn't water it down. He knew who he was and whose he was. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. He was able to serve. He was able to, to genuinely be humble because he knew who he was. He knew whose he was. That's why he w- Jesus wasn't afraid of, oh, but, but then what are they, are they gonna try and take advantage of me? Are they gonna think less of me? No, he knew who he was. He knew whose he was. So he was able to serve. He was able to humble himself. When, when, when we are afraid of humbling ourselves by offering an apology for something that is legitimate, when we are afraid of, of maybe helping someone out or doing something in case they then you know, think, okay, like they've got a free reign to just take advantage of us, there, there's a good chance that we are not secure in who we are and whose we are. And by the way, by the way, again, please don't miss this. Jesus being the servant didn't make him their appy, their hantlanger, their skivvy, someone that they could manipulate and control. And the fact that that would even be a fear of ours shows you what we typically think of when we think of a servant. And it can only be pride in a person who thinks that they can control and abuse and misuse someone else because they're in a servant position. If I think that I, can, that I can use and abuse someone because they're in, in from, a, from a power dynamic point of view in society, because they're in a lower position, that is perhaps the epitome of pride. Humility doesn't want to abuse someone in a noble or humble position. So, so again, Jesus wasn't afraid that, that he would then be manipulated, controlled, and no, no, he was secure. One more example, Matthew 20. Uh, anyway, before we put the scripture up, just to give you some background. Jesus had a couple of, actually had lots. He had lots of people that were following him, but then he had what, what we often refer to as the disciples, which, or, or the apostles, which were kind of the, the 12 that were closest to him. One didn't turn out that good, um, but, but, but they have been doing life with him for a few years. And then James and John, right, who turned out to be pretty good guys, their mother, their mother comes to Jesus and asks, If they can please take the positions of greatest honor in his kingdom when he comes into his reign, you know, like on his left and right hand side. Guys, their mother. (laughs) And in case you think that's a good idea, it's not. Okay? When mommy has to go and ask, like, please can you give them a promotion? Like, there's something wrong with that picture. So it's not surprising that in verse 24, it says, when the 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. They were pretty cheesed off. I'd be too. I'd be thinking some other stuff too, but I'd I'd be cheesed off. Verse 25, but Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. I mean, these were the problems from 2,000 years ago. We obviously don't have these problems anymore amongst leaders and 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 officials right but among you it will be different or at least it should be whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave or servant For even the Son of Man came not to be served, like the creator of the universe, did not come to be served, but to serve others and give his life away, to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, again, you may be familiar with that thought, and and, and over the last 10 or 20 years, servant leadership has become a, a a more modern buzz term for, even among, even among secular leadership circles, that's great, but, but again, it can be misunderstood to where we take on the look of a servant as opposed to actually realizing, no, no, to be in a position of leadership, to be in a position of power means you have responsibility. If, if, I, if you and I do not see leadership as a responsibility to serve There's something horribly wrong with that picture, and that is why so much abuse is committed in the name of leadership, because it's often about the promotion, the pay scale, what we can get out of it, who we can control, what we can produce, but according to Jesus, if you're a leader, your primary responsibility is to serve others. It is to use that role to serve others. So, a couple of characteristics of humility. We are aware of our need for God, like deeply aware. I, I'm challenged by that when I realize how much, how much more I would rather keep working on something f- it, with, relating to the church ministry than what I am inclined to want to pause and pray about it. That's when I realize how much I'm depending on God versus my own ability. Now, that's not to suggest that you don't do any work and you just pray, but but the the disproportionate, the imbalance makes me realize at times who I am truly ultimately depending on. We are quick to obey God. These are characteristics of humility. We're secure in God. Peter Scazzaro is the first and pretty much the only person I've ever heard actually talk about or write about being differentiated, where where you're able to to hear from others, glean from others, learn from others, but but you're able to still, because of your security in God and identity in God, you're able to still kind of like stay the path. You're able to to still make the right decisions, be secure, because, because there's a healthy differentiation. Another characteristic of humility is that we're able to value people apart from society's Hierarchy, and by the way, by the way, that's and that's why we can't look to society on any level to to describe the hierarchy. Because if you're a a conservative, you'll have a hierarchy, and if you're a liberal, you'll have a hierarchy. So, so human nature has hierarchies. For 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 a liberal, anyone anyone in power is actually is actually probably just a, a. Scorely, they probably just, just well, so, so then, so then, automatically, you know, we'll, we'll value people that have absolutely no uh say. Or, and again, it, it cannot be just the role, the function, whether it's a liberal agenda, a conservative agenda, we cannot just value people according to society's hierarchy. We have to value people. If I am humble, if I'm aware of my own imperfections, my own need for grace. I'm going, to, I'm going to find it hard not to value someone else just because they are different. Or just because in my mind, and according to my sense or sensibility, they, they're getting a whole bunch wrong, am I now dehumanizing them because of behavior, beliefs, etc.? or can I still identify the person as a human being and, and have dignity towards them? Some other characteristics is that you don't take all the credit and you don't take all the blame. Again, we have two extremes. We're able to apologize, and we're able to accept an apology. It often takes humility to accept an apology, and it definitely takes a lot of humility to offer an apology. We are approachable and teachable. If, if, if there was a way for you to ask people around you, although the only problem is if you're not approachable and teachable, they're not going to be honest with you, so you might need to find like an like a, like a, um, a, uh, anonymous way to, to describe but, if, but if, no, if you can't remember when last someone has challenged you or pointed something out to you, I'm just saying there's a good chance that you're not terribly approachable or teachable. We're able to do good in secret. It doesn't all have to be known and praised. We're able to give encouragement sincerely. It's not flattery, it's not to control or manipulate. No, no, we're, it's, like, like it's easy to express. Encouragement, and you're able to receive encouragement. I don't mean false humility, but it's like, oh, it's just the Lord, brother. No, that's weird. No, no, like, thank you. It's very kind. That's encouraging, thank you. Like, you can, you can actually receive encouragement. You're willing to contribute and not only consume. We recognize as, as, as members of a church, as partners in a church, that what we are a part of is bigger than the part we play. I'm not the whole body. I keep a humble, sober sense of the part that I play, and we are aware, deeply, deeply, deeply aware. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe the greatest attribute is that we are deeply aware of the grace of God, our need for the grace of God. Now, some, some values of humility are pretty much all the values that we've been preaching on. Devotion is a value of humility. We will recognize our need for God. We will want to slow down. We will recognize our need to slow down and and depend on him, hear from him, be influenced by him. We know that we need to receive from him. We need to be loved by him. Unity requires a tremendous amount of humility. Unity is a value of humility. For me to recognize that, that I might not be right about everything, or even if I think I am right about something, that I can still be committed to what we preached about from Ephesians about being united in the spirit. Unity is a significant value it is a trait of humility generosity generosity for the most part in my opinion is gonna be the maybe it's always when it's healthy sometimes we're generous out of guilt or manipulation or but but true generosity surely it is always connected to gratitude I'm grateful for what I have but you see, the opposite of that is feeling entitled. Hey, hey, I've done it. This is all me, brother. This hey, I've I've I'm self-made, which is strange. To, if you really think about that deeply, I've I've all everything I have, everything that's mine is mine. Which sounds a lot like a 12 to 18 month old. Right? <laughs> mine, 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 mine. Well, humility recognizes that what scripture says that God gives me the ability to produce wealth, or God has given me the gifts that I have, or the personality that I have, or the, or the compassion that I have. We don't take pride in our compassion. We are like, God, thank you that you've wired me a certain way. Thank you that you've given me the ability to, to produce resources or, to, or to, have an, to have gifts and talents. There is a gratitude that leads to generosity, warmth. Humility helps us to love and value people that are different and distant. Faithfulness. There will be a sense of responsibility, not entitlement. If I'm humble, if I'm dependent on God, if I know where I fit into this equation, and just how much, guys, I think, I think if we could truly see how much we have received from God, how, how much of, of our abilities, our intellect, our emotional intelligence, our our ability, yes, you may have been a great steward of it with your education. You may have been a great steward of learning to work with people. You may, but it's, origin, it's come from God. And, and so I won't feel entitled to what I have and just use it for my own purposes. I will want to be faithful with it. Next week we're gonna talk a little bit about celebration which involves things like gratitude, but also honor. Like part of celebrating is actually honoring one another. If it's hard for you to honor someone else, there's a pretty good chance that that reflects some development that needs to take place with humility. And in a couple of weeks we're gonna take a look at, at one last value, which is compassion. I think it takes a lot of humility. In fact, I think only true compassion can be achieved from a position of humility. I re, uh, again, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not looking to someone else in a position of need in order to be, to be the great answer, to be, to be the solution, it's not patronizing, it's not paternalistic, there's a, there's a compassion for people. That doesn't mean that you have to feel the same emotion that someone else feels. You don't have to be crying and distracted and losing sleep, but there's, but there's a concern, there's a value, there's a, There's a compassion. I think that these are all great signs of humility. And then lastly, just a couple of practices. I think something that starves pride is doing things in secret. I don't mean dodgy things. I mean good things. We can all do dodgy things in secret, okay? I mean secret acts of kindness, of of generosity, of service. Some of you are looking at me like, I don't ever do anything... Well, you're lying. If you were humble, you'd recognize that we've all done stuff in our lives that we're quite happy not everybody knows about, right? Put your hand up if you've ever done anything dodgy and secret. Yes, like some of you are very proud, eh? Lord Jesus, help these people. Bunch of liars. Sherbet, sherbet only as sick as your secrets. That's a, whole nother, that's a whole nother topic. But secret acts of kindness, of generosity, of service. Now, I don't mean you have to be weird and like everything has to be done in secret, but, but if nothing is ever done without fanfare, if nothing is ever done without someone looking at you with that Christian like, sure, you're a pretty good guy. You're a pretty good person. <laughs> if, if nothing's ever, you know, posted. Guys, I'm just saying when it's for an audience of one, when it is genuinely motivated to just just be a blessing, to just be kind to someone else. It's amazing how much freedom. Humility brings freedom. It's amazing how the thought of humility can bring so much fear to us, but actually it brings freedom. You are free from people understanding or not understanding, abusing or misusing. There's just like a... I mean, if you, if you misunderstand, that's up to you, but my heart is clean, I'm free, I'm doing this as far as possible with no strings attached. Again, I think very few of us will get this perfect all the time, so, so don't, don't be overly hard, I'm just saying where we are constantly trying to grow and doing, doing stuff for the right reason. Something else that starves our pride is Confession. Now, I don't mean like the kind of confession that I just tried to get some of you to do a moment ago, because that's, that's still very superficial, that's very, I mean, yeah. I mean where, where there is someone, even if it is a paid professional, or someone if, where, there's, where there's no fear of repercussion, but, but, but where there's just someone that you can actually just speak the truth to. See, humility will bring us into the light. Pride will keep us hidden and dark in the shadows, and nothing good grows in a dark, damp place. Humility is willing to confess in the, right, in the safest possible place with the right people. Is willing to confess and to trust God with the outcomes. Accountability is very similar to this, but it's different in the sense that it's one thing for me to tell you I've got a problem or that I'm struggling with something or that I have failed in something. It's a whole other story for me to say, Hey, would you let me check in with you every week or every month or something for the next while? That's different. That's accountability. The one is about confession. So, so that's just letting you know that, that this happened and that this is an, an issue for me. The other is repentance, which is trying to change direction and do, take steps towards moving in the opposite direction so that we don't keep doing the same thing, right? Service. And by this, I don't mean secret acts of service. I mean I think it takes a great deal of humility to actually commit to a team, to serve on a team with a bunch of imperfect people, with with an imperfect leader. If you're looking for the perfect leader, I mean, good luck, okay? And that's just to take some pressure off of all of our team leaders and life leaders. Like there is no, now again, don't be slack, but there there is no perfect leader, okay? And it takes humility to work or to serve under someone or, or with a bunch of other people that are imperfect. Like, that can be irritating, that can be frustrating. Or, perhaps serving as a leader, where, you, where you're like, I'm not actually getting anything for this, well, maybe that's the very thing that God is prescribing to starve the heart of only being entitled and only being able to get to actually serving actually doing it for for no other personal gain. Giving, on every level. By the way, I think some people are getting cold. If we could switch the air off, guys. Anyone getting cold? Okay, now you're willing to respond. (laughs) We'll go back to secrets in in a moment. Okay. So giving, giving, again, is a way of, if it's done from the point of acknowledging that everything I have comes from God. It to, to give generously and consistently it is an exercise that causes us to actually stop and think and to reflect hey is this all really just me or, or is there any part of this that has come from God and I would just without getting onto a hobby horse let me just tell you that we are deluded if we think those of us that have been that have had the opportunity of a quality education or, or that have had opportunities to, to get gainful employment. Guys, I'm just telling you, in South Africa, if you don't think that privilege is attached to that, I'm just telling you that you and I disagree strongly. There is so much that I, that I have benefited from, from birth till now, that, that has not been my own doing. And there are many other people The same age, that have grown up in the same country, that have not, that 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 have the willpower, the the, the determination, the vision, the drive, that have not had the same opportunities. God help us and forgive us if we think that everything is just about our own ability, or just or just because we've been diligent. Do you know how many people in this country work hard, diligently, diligently, faithfully, and get paid like 120 rand or 150 rand or 200 rand or 220 rand a day? and then people still try to negotiate them down, or they get paid a couple of thousand rand a month. Guys, please, please, God help us. That is pride if we think. That is just because we work hard. There are lots of people that work hard. There are lots of people that work hard at 12 hour shifts. I have no doubt that we're gonna be surprised in heaven one day, as God actually reveals the true order of diligence, faithfulness, humility. Okay, soapbox done. Lastly, lastly, I think another discipline is forgiveness. For us to recognize that we need forgiveness. For us to recognize that God commands us to forgive others. Forgiveness is not about earning it, then it's not forgiveness, forgiveness is a gift. Forgiveness is not that person deserving my forgiveness, no, it's a, it's a one-player game. It's because I have been forgiven of so much that because of, because of humility, because of my awareness of what God has done for me, I've, I've been able to accept His forgiveness. And some of us, that's the challenge for some of us today, is to actually accept that forgiveness. You, you may not realize it, but it's pride that refuses to accept God's forgiveness. If I think that I have to add something to the cross of Jesus Christ, that is pride, that is, that is, that's our normal human nature. But it takes humility to say, God, I, c- I cannot actually believe that there's nothing I can do to, to be in any way deserving, to, to, to in any way earn your forgiveness. That is deeply humbling. And that's what we're invited to do. And I'm saying that it's only to that extent that we're able to truly, genuinely forgive others, whether they care or not, whether they are repentant or not, whether they whether they with, forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. Forgiveness is not the same as trusting again. Forgiveness is not the same as, as, as allowing that person to do the same thing. And forgiveness is letting. setting a prisoner free and discovering that you were the prisoner, where you refuse to be bound by hatred and bitterness and revenge. But it takes humility to leave justice to God in that sense. In a human sense, if someone's committed a crime, justice needs to take place in a practical sense too. But I'm saying... On a heart level, it takes humility to, cons- to consistently receive, to be, to be willing to be forgiven. That's to acknowledge that I need something. That's very humbling. And then also to be willing to forgive others. So the way we're going to end today is we're going to take part in communion. There should be a little cup under your chair. I, I, I don't want you to... To open it up just yet, I wanna just make sure that you've got it in your hand and that you know what to do. In a moment, I'm gonna encourage you to take a few, a few moments and to just reflect. Communion, Jesus told us, was something to practice regularly as we remember what He did for us, so we remember His great gift of forgiveness. We reflect on it. We reflect on what that means. What does it mean to be set free? What does it mean to, 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 to receive that forgiveness again and again and again? Baptism is a once-off, is a once-off public celebration and symbolic act to, to celebrate the fact that I was dead and now I'm alive. But communion is, a con, is an ongoing thing. I don't know about you, but, but, but when my life, when I kind of tried to go all in with God, for the first couple of years, I struggled over the fact that I would keep on failing and keep on saying, like, surely if I love you, I won't. Surely if I love you, I will. And, and what communion does is it keeps reminding us, grace is exactly the same. It's available to us again and again and again. On your 10th year as what it was on your first day, on your 20th year, on your 40th year. And it's humbling, it's humbling to recognize I still have a need for a savior. We need God. We need forgiveness. And one of the greatest signs of actually accepting that forgiveness, accepting that grace, is being changed to where we want to obey God, to where we want to respond to Him. So what I wanna encourage you to do, just just for a minute or two, and then whenever you're ready, you can just pull open the very, very top, the the two little layers. The first layer will open up and...